Do me a favor, whether you are here in the pews or at home, close your eyes. I promise not to fall asleep, but close your eyes. Aware that the Holy Spirit fills you Become aware of others who are praying at just this moment, whether here, whether participating online, or throughout the world. As you become aware of those persons, consider a precious thought. Each holds in her or his heart the presence of God and opens her or his heart to God's grace. Now invite the Holy Spirit to raise in your conscious awareness the thought of a person in this world who is least like you the person in this world who is most unlike you. Watch as that person goes through a daily routine. Watch as that person interacts with others. And consider this precious thought. You are more like that person than you are unlike that person. Consider it again with the image of that person in your mind, your heart, your soul, your imagination. Say to yourself, I am more like that person than I am unlike that person. Assuming you're still awake, you may open your eyes. A prominent theologian and biblical scholar of the early 20th century, Rudolf Bultmann, famously said that a preacher should stand in front of a congregation with the Bible in one hand and the day's newspaper in the other and bring the two to bear in the message he preaches. Today, the gospel, which we just heard, encounters the newspaper articles and headlines and those of the internet and broadcast and cable news and bring us to an unpleasant conclusion. When Jesus set out from 
Cana in Galilee. He marched to the north, away from Jerusalem. You recall it was only a few verses before and only two weekends ago that we heard the narrative so famous to us of Jesus exiting the boat. He just wanted to be alone and there to pray in his grief over the death of his cousin John. But seeing the crowds, he was moved with pity and recognizing their hunger, a hunger far deeper than their stomach, he fed them. And then walking across the water of the Sea of Galilee, a universal symbol in the Bible of new creation, taking power and authority over the chaos and sin of this world and bringing new order, new creation to it. He comes out on the other side and now walks away from Jerusalem. But coming in the other direction is a woman. As Jesus entered the territory of Tyre and Sidon in modern day southern Lebanon, a woman appeared from the other direction, a Canaanite woman, which is to say a pagan, a Gentile, with their set of gods so unlike the true God. A Canaanite woman was not to speak to a Jewish man, in particular a Jewish rabbi, and a Jewish rabbi would never speak to a pagan woman. Just a few years ago, at the National March for Life in Washington, D.C., a group of Orthodox Jewish seminary students, rabbinical students, were present along with their rabbi. A woman approached. All of the students surrounded the rabbi, facing him, and turned their back on the woman who was approaching. It was not rudeness. For them, the rabbi would never talk to a Gentile woman, and a Gentile woman would never approach the rabbi. It was the expected thing to do. Even more so in the time of Jesus, a Canaanite pagan woman would never speak with a rabbi, nor the rabbi respond. And so the first response of Jesus to the woman was silence. We're told clearly he did not say a word to her. It wasn't rude. It wasn't a theological statement on his part. It was the expectation. But she, abandoning political acceptance, political correctness, continued to yell after Jesus, went to him and did him homage, calling him names of honor and prestige and religion, son of David, Lord, showing deep faith she prostrated herself before him and did him homage, and he, in a bit of almost comic repartee, gave her the grace she wanted. No doubt his apostles were aghast that he was speaking with a Canaanite woman, that he would deign to respond to her request, and yet he did. 
as time and again Jesus did in his public ministry, he overcame the expectations of his culture and moved beyond the expectations of, and limitations that were imposed upon him. Rudolf Bultmann, no doubt today, would hold that Bible passage in one hand, hold the headlines of the newspaper in the other, and point out that our cultural differences even now, even today, in a so-called more enlightened period, hold us at a distance one from the other and keep us from entering the hearts of other human beings who are deeply in need, deeply troubled, deeply wounded, deeply calling out to the Lord. Think anew of the person least like you in all the world and recognize the truth, you are more like that person than unlike that person. And for all of the finger-pointing and name-calling, all of the yelling and posturing, all of the side-claiming that we see in this world, we are more like each other than we are unlike. We can call each other names and label each other. We can point our fingers, but in the end, I am more like any person that exists on this earth than I am unlike them. If we dare claim the name of Jesus Christ, if we dare stand before his cross, and approach his altar, if we dare look into the sacred heart of Jesus, we would recognize the love he has for all. And we could not enter into the name-calling and posturing and finger-pointing that seems to mark every bit of our cultural existence today. We are more like each other than unlike because we all are created by the loving hands of God the Father. Into us is breathed, breathed the life of the Holy Spirit the wind of life itself, and every breath we take is the same as any human being, the breath of God. And we are redeemed by the one Savior who offers hope and salvation to all who call upon his name. I am more like any other person in the world than I am unlike them. How dare I call them by a label, a name. How dare I point a finger. How dare I think of them 
as anything other than a brother, a sister, part of the family of one God. 